From the Utah School Counselors Association, this is The Sounding Board, where school counselors share ideas. I'm Nate Webb. And I'm Hilary Emmer. We can't wait for you to hear these ideas. Let's get to it. So for this week's episode, um, we are here with some very, very special guests, and I am going to let them introduce themselves. We'll start with Barbara and then Nicole, and then we'll end with Charlie and tell us, um, you know, who you are and the foundation that you guys are here to talk about today. So hi, and thank you, Hillary. And, um, and thanks, Nicole and Charlie, for being here as well. So I'm Barbara Roscoe Morelli. I'm the founder and executive director of the Joseph James Morelli Legacy Foundation. And we've been around now for eight years. That's awesome. Nicole. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Nikki Blumen, and my current position is with Bright Futures at the Park City High School. So I help first generation students get to and through college. But I have um, joined Barbara's advisory committee, and um, I take perspective from both helping students not only get to college, but through college. So I'm a huge fan of the mentor program that um, that is in place so that not only the students can get to college, but often those students get lost in their first semester or their first year. And Barbara's really found a way to make sure that they, um, they get the support that they need and graduate. Nice, I love that. All right, Charlie. Hi, I'm Charlie Matthews. And uh, uh, for most of my career, I was a, a physics teacher um, at Park City High School. Uh, later in my career, I became STEM coordinator for the district and then began writing curricula for K through 12 uh, uh, STEM-based uh, curricula. And then also I have been a STEM endorsement instructor for uh, K through six teachers throughout the state of Utah and uh, had Joe as a student and have been on the uh, uh, Joseph James Morelli uh, Foundation's uh, committee since its inception. Very cool. Well, um, I learned about the Joseph James Morelli Foundation last year in a conversation uh, that Charlie and I had. And um, what can, I mean, tell us about this foundation. I know not all counselors know about this amazing work that you're doing and, and what you guys um are about. Um, so let's give some background to some to the counselors about what your foundation is and your goals and what you're what you're aiming to do. Great. Well, thank you. So this um, our foundation was started um, eight years ago in 2014. Joseph was a junior at Montana State University and um, was killed in a car accident. And when we looked back, and everybody wants to help you, right, at a time of grieving. We didn't want people to waste a lot of money on flowers. And someone just said to me, do you want to start a foundation? And I said, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done this before. Like, what yeah. do you do? And they said, well, you know, would there be somewhere that you think that you can make a difference with if people donated? And we looked back on Joseph's life and Joseph was severely dyslexic, but he wasn't diagnosed until he was a freshman in high school. Mm -hmm. And this was back in New York. 
Um, as Charlie had pointed out, he excelled in, in STEM fields um, and he struggled ever since he was, you know, a preschooler, you know, a yeah. kindergartner. He had trouble reading. Um, it was completely missed. And if we did not have the resources to get the testing, hire the lawyers and try to get the accommodations for him, he probably would have never graduated high school. And what was so shocking was so many people told us at the time he couldn't have dyslexia because it would have been picked up. And they would tell us, well, he's, you know, he's lazy. He's just not trying hard enough. And we said, no, we think he has a learning challenge. And he was so bright and so smart, but he couldn't read yeah. completely. Um, you know, outsmarted everyone until the work just got too hard yeah. and then it was failing. And it's, you know, we didn't know. Um, and I thought to myself, and as a family, we said, I wonder how many kids are out there that are similar to Joseph, that yeah. need the resources um, and really have somebody, parents that support them or know where to look for information. And then I think most importantly, and this is where Nicole and especially Charlie, Charlie was that physics instructor that recognized that Joseph had potential. Mm -hmm. And so often this is what these kids need. And this is what Nicole does for her first generation kids. These kids need somebody to believe in them. And the foundation has created that environment. We recognize them, we believe in them, and we help support them. I love that. You know, we, we kind of talk about that, um, them being our champions, right? We, we need those champions who, who see that. And so um, was Joseph uh, your son, Barbara? Yes. That, yes. Okay. Wow. That, thank you for sharing that story. I love hearing that background and just hearing how close to home it is and just hearing hearing about him um he sounds amazing Thanks. um is there um so with the foundation the goal is to bring students in yeah go ahead so basically our mission statement is to support and empower young adults struggling with dyslexia who are pursuing a stem career and what we realized over the years now, we get upwards of over 200 applicants um, a year from around the country. The majority of our students that we support come from Utah because of our strong ties with Utah and as well as uh, Montana State University because of Joseph's ties there. And as Charlie said, it's, it's amazing. Um, the group of volunteers that have been helping us as an organization have been with us now for eight years and it's a lot of work to review yeah. all these applicants. Um, but we found that the finances is only a small piece. In fact, it's a really small piece. We're not giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to get these kids through college. We're giving them you know, a few hundred or a few thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. And what we kept hearing from the students is that it's the recognition. Somebody believes in me. Oh. Somebody recognizes my challenges. And to Nicole's point, what we found was our students weren't reapplying for the scholarship. And we said, what's going on? And then we were hearing as freshmen, sophomores in college, they were struggling. They were dropping out. They were changing schools. They were taking time off. And that's why we initiated the mentoring program to keep those kids in school and to graduate. That's so cool. 
So a student, a senior, I'm anticipating it's a senior in high school would apply for the scholarship. And if they're accepted, it's this financial support, but it's also they're getting this mentoring support while they're um, paired with the foundation. Is that kind of how this works? Yep. Wow. And how long do they have that mentoring? Is it like while they're in college till they're graduated? Okay. So that's, that's a great question because it's been a, a bit of a pilot program for us. Um, and we've been seeing the extreme success of it that we want to expand it because now we're seeing that not only the, you know, it's those periods of time and, you know, and, and Charlie and Nicole can speak to this as well, but it's that transition period from high school into college. But yeah. now we're seeing it's the college into careers yeah. and college into graduate schools. And we're thinking, wow, you know, we need to get that junior or senior, a mentor, mm-hmm. somebody from our organization who's either a donor or an advocate or an advisor or a prior graduate to then support those kids now in that next period of, of transition. Yeah. And I'll add, um, just this summer, we had uh, a parent workshop. And so it's not only a network for the students, but I found it so refreshing that the parents came together. They asked to exchange information. um, And then these parents could help each other. Some were very sophisticated, some were not. And so they shared resources and what kinds of technology their kids used, or have you done this or have you done that? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think it turned out, it it seems to me, um, it's that family that these kids need away from home. So sometimes they're afraid to call home and tell mom that they're struggling, but they will call the mentor and say they're Mm -hmm. struggling because it's a different relationship. Um, And then they can say to mom, hey, I had this problem, but I fixed it. And so it's it's really, like you said, it's a championship match that's going on and they feel like the champion because they're solving their own problems. I love that. I'd I'd love to jump in right now if I can. Yeah. uh, That I'm actually... I'd like to circle back to the financial piece because the mentoring is, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, I think Barbara was a little too humble (laughs) in terms of the financial aspect of the scholarship and also the scope. Uh, This is not just for four year uh, bachelor, then potentially on, students. We have a number of students that are looking at associate's degrees, Mm -hmm. uh, trade degrees, and uh, for particularly those students, uh, what is already a pretty significant financial contribution for many of those students, it ends up, this is what funds uh, them being able to pursue uh, this STEM trade or associate level uh, STEM career uh, almost fully, if yeah. not fully, yeah. and right. uh, particularly our Utah students, mm-hmm. uh, because we do have uh, an additional funding source available for these students who graduate from uh, Utah high schools and look to go to uh, Utah trade to Utah uh, universities. Uh, in STEM related fields that they are eligible for additional um, scholarship funds from the uh, uh, Sorensen Foundation. 
Um, so there is the potential here for many of these students uh, that it could provide them with the financial support that could allow them to move forward in a situation where otherwise they may not have been able to. That is yeah, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've been really have, we, we do have sense. one bright future student who's at Slick right now and she's pursuing um, computer science and she used the Morelli money to buy herself a computer. Um, oh, and so, good. especially in times of hybrid classes and her taking the bus to school, um, at first she thought she'd have to go use the computer cluster and, you know, be at school and yeah. just knowing she could have her own laptop. Um, yeah. It made the difference. You know, our students are sometimes first gen, but they're low income um, or they might not have um, the means. And not only she, she qualified for Pell to cover tuition, but it was those extra costs. Um, books on tape or, um, you know, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, what's a tape? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's I'm telling you know how me. old I am. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, some of those resources, yeah. one of the students asked me about the smart pen and how do I get one and, you know, those kinds of things. And so I can then refer her back because next year she could actually get her own instead of borrowing it from the library. And so she's going to apply for a second year uh, scholarship with the Morelli scholarship. And that's what she's going to use the money for. She's seen other kids in class using the smart pen and she wants to do that as well. Oh, that's awesome, Nicole. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, so both um, Charlie and, and Nicole touched upon it. So we do get um, additional grant funding from the Sorensen Legacy Foundation. We've been partnering with them now for the last three years, which has been just fantastic. Yeah. And um, they do provide additional funds for Utah students. And I think it is really critical that these are kids that can be in a two-year college or in a trade, you know? So again, we don't define success by, you know, a four-year college. It can yeah. be what success is to them that they are productive and happy and doing what they enjoy. Um, and the other thing that's, that's really neat too, is we can, they can use the money for anything. So originally we designed the scholarship because we wanted to help support the kids who didn't have the financial wherewithal to actually get tested. You know, if you look at yeah. um, children that are dropping out of school, failing in high school, ending up in juvenile, um, you know, centers, a lot of those young adults actually struggle to read. And I always wonder if they knew that there was a diagnosis, if they knew they could get tested in accommodations, could that have changed their path? Um, so this, the money is for whatever they need to be successful. So like Nicole mentioned, you know, for that one particular awardee, having a computer will help her be successful. And yeah. that's what we want to do. I love that. You know, we, um, Utah school counselor language always talks about college is anything beyond high school, one, two, four, or more, you know, okay. and that college is not just this small defined university picture that we all kind of grew up with that it can look like anything. And it's just that additional education you can do for yourself to get a little more specialized in a field and a little more training to help you become, you know, that expert in the thing that you're interested in, in the thing that you want to do. Um, and I, I love that you guys also have that perspective as well. Well, I'd like to chime in that um, anecdotally, I was in the classroom 
for 34 years. And I saw students with neurocognitive challenges, dyslexia being one of the most common that I would see. And that and then also research backs this, that many of these students, many, many of these students uh, may have struggled in their year, early years, and they do with reading, yeah. writing, which is the emphasis of those early yeah. years of education. But so many of these students just, it's not just that they can fit into a STEM field, many of them excel in these areas because they tend to look at problems and solutions to problems from a very alternative, oftentimes a unique way that whether it be uh, the person that is uh, um, doing the HVAC, the heating ventilation for your home or the mechanical engineer who is encountering a problem that others in the team couldn't figure out, oftentimes these folks become the true problem solvers. So it's not coincidence um, that Joe himself all of a sudden got into a STEM area and excelled mm -hmm. uh, and that the scholarship is about linking uh, dyslexia mm -hmm. with STEM. It's mm -hmm. that if we can locate these kids uh, and target them, these are kids that can really excel in these STEM areas. Yeah. So I hear that, like as a school counselor, I'm hearing, you know, as we work with students who may have that diagnosis, we can, you know, talk to them specifically about, you know, the, the tech center and these STEM fields. And have you considered this? Like, what are the mm -hmm. things? And, and I would guess we probably won't be surprised to hear that they're already interested in those things and we can help show those different paths to get there. And then, you know, with this additional support, hey, this is another scholarship that you need to apply for. We need to do this yeah. um, because this is gonna help you get to do that. And um, I, I'm also kind of wondering, you know, and, and I don't know, this might be hard to answer, but are there things that um, like part of, of Joe's story is that like it had gone undiagnosed for so long. And I wonder if there are some takeaways for counselors that maybe like if we're seeing something or, or, or you know, there's, there's those little red flags that we could be like, hmm, I wonder if we can maybe help this student and their family um, look into some things, you know, what would be those kind of aha moments to get us thinking? And then what would be a good um, path for us to help pursue to help those students and families get support if if we do think there might be something. So, you know, it's, and I think that's a really, really great point because so often these kids get labeled as, um, you know, just, I don't want to use the word troublemakers, but, you know, negative behavior yeah. or lazy um, Joseph was always putting his head down on his desk because he couldn't process and fully understand what was being written on the blackboard and yeah. he was getting lost. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think when you think about what are the signs, it doesn't make sense. The child seems really, really smart, but his test scores are not showing how smart he is or what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. And also hating to read out loud. 
You know, I think a, um, a big telltale sign is very messy. You know, it's kind of a joke because, you know, so many people have messy handwriting and we don't see it as much anymore because there's all the computer, but spelling and grammar, struggling with spelling and grammar and vocabulary can be a, um, another, another red flag. But these kids, to Charlie's point, are really, really bright. And I think that's the disparity. When there's a big disparity and they're really excelling in one area, but failing in another, yeah, that's when you say something doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, Joseph was always really, really good in math. And he prided himself on how well he did in math because he would fail Spanish and struggle with English. Mm-hmm. And um and then suddenly when the, when the guidance counselor actually called us and said he was failing even math, I said, this doesn't make sense. Math is his, is a yeah. strong subject. And um, she, it was actually at that point where she said to me, we don't think he's high school material. Oh, and I said, yeah. Just and so you know, we, yeah, <laughs> not okay. Not okay. And I said, I think he's got a learning challenge and um it was crazy because it still goes undiagnosed. People do not recognize it. And yeah, he was at a sixth grade reading level when he graduated, but did extremely well in AP physics with Charlie Matthews. (laughs) Um, But that's that disparity you're talking about. Like how, you know, there's gotta be something else going on here. And the red flag with math was suddenly it was reading problems. Uh, mm -hmm. So again, it's just, you know, I think we're all, you know, in the classroom and and you guys are the educators, a lot of students, a lot of dynamics, a lot of, you know, you need to pay attention to all these kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, but if something doesn't make sense, I think that's when it's just good to take a step back and say, am I missing something? What's going on? Because I think all these kids, Nicole and Charlie, I mean, you guys know, these kids just want to learn. Most kids want to learn. Exactly. No one wants to feel like they don't know what's going on. That's not, nobody likes feeling like that, you know? And, and that's when you see those defense mechanisms in different ways, right? I'm going to like not care. I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to try, you know? And um, I really like how you said that, that it's like, if something seems like it's just not, compatible, then it's time to ask questions and and start to look into some of those things. I really like that. One of the things I would share um, prior to moving to Utah, I was a college uh, college administrator in a small two-year hospital-based nursing program. Mm -hmm. Um, And nurses are huge gatekeepers. Like these kids cannot you know, how, if this student can't read, how could they read a chart? How can they, you know, deliver care? How can they pass their NCLEX? Um, And one of the things that I used to say is, well, we need to help them with accommodations. And there was a lot of uh, students that would come with uh, documentation Mm -hmm. and their counselors helped them through high school and they felt that safety net. parents know what the kids need but the kids didn't know what they needed when they got to college yeah and I think that's another one of the things that Mm -hmm. the counselors can help with and I know um, a lot of schools are doing these transition programs and how you know the differences between high school and college Um, 
But if you could empower the students to know that you want to grow up and be independent and you're going off to college, my message was always get the accommodations. If you never mm -hmm. use them, that's great. But if Just you don't get them, then your teachers assume that you can figure it out on your own and you can't go back and get them. And yeah. that's when you see, you know, midterm hit and the students like, I wish I would have had more time on tests oh, or I wish I would have had, you know, somebody read the test to me. And I think it's, um, they already have that four years of trust in a guidance counselor. If you guys could reinforce that message that now's not the time to skip out on what's coming, you know, what you need. Yes. You know? And and I think that the the parents will tell them, but once they get to school, that's that deficit. It's like, oh, I don't need mom, I don't need help. But mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. And somehow or another, um, and Barb, the uh, the advocacy program and the the mentorship, they're the ones that are working with them in the summer. Like yeah. we know you've got this, but let's put these things in place just in case. Yeah. Or, don't be embarrassed because a lot of the testing centers, nobody knows that you're not in the classroom taking the test. There's 200 other kids in the, right. In the lecture, right? Yes. Um, if you're a morning person and they allow you to take the test in the morning versus in the afternoon, go for it. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these kids are on certain medications and I know as nursing students, uh, a four o'clock exam would kill them because they needed that nap at four o'clock because yeah. they were on some kind of medication that that was where they kind of peter out. Um, but the, 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 the message for the counselors is you're, you're doing such a good job with them in high school. If you can be that advocate, um, and then it comes from you, it comes from parent, comes from the college administrator. Um, and that's where you find success when they hear the message over and over again from all these different people that they trust. And I think, and Nicole kind of touched upon that in the beginning when she mentioned the, um, the family session that we had, it was very eye-opening to see that it wasn't only the kids, but it was the parents and the families that really yeah. needed the support as well to understand it's okay to yeah. ask for the accommodations. It's okay to take 12 credits instead of 15 that first semester as a freshman. And, you know, we're here to, to help you be successful. Yeah. Well, and I'm hearing too, you know, um, there may be some more opportunities to help students practice being their own advocate mm -hmm. while they're in high school so that when they go to college, you know, it's like everyone's taking care of this for me, but now I also have the skills to take care of it for me. And I don't have to wait for a counselor or my mom, or, you know, I can go in and say, um, I need this, <laughs> you know? And I think that's a really powerful tool as well. So yeah. that's a great thought. Um, I think to the high school, um, if the, the counselors sit down with the students and the parents, I always used to say to the kids, can you tell me in your own words what your disability is? Love and that. so I don't need all those, you know, la the language on the form. I need to understand from the student what they know their strengths and their weaknesses are. And so even just teaching them that before they leave to be able to articulate that to a professor or to a learning with disability center, or you know, at their first job, as as Barbara yeah. said, you know, yeah. they might be in a training program and they might say, "Go read three chapters," and these mm -hmm. students are going to be like, "I can't read those three chapters." Yeah. So they yeah. still 
um, I'm so happy to hear that you're thinking of transition to work because that's another thing. You know, you don't want them to graduate college and not and then not be able to keep a yeah, job. Right. Um, we we we're doing that at Bright Futures as well. We're really trying to teach them the skills. Um, so not only are they going to graduate, but then they get meaningful jobs that they're giving back to the community and are going to make a, a salary that's going to be able to not only help themselves, but their families um, and create more leaders. And, you know, it's just paying forward, which is really, really important in this situation. I, I like that question, too, where, you know, how would you describe your disability to me, because, you know, that is something a high school student could do, but you could also backtrack it even to our elementary kids and, and, you know, how powerful would that be that they also can tell you that this is, this is my disability. This is what I need. And if it's just like, that's the language from kindergarten through senior year, like how powerful would that be? It's never too early to, um, to start having them, you know, advocate for themselves. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to throw one last thing in here, in, um, and I'm going to use Joe as the example. Um, over the years, I formed a very close relationship with one of the special ed teachers at Park City High School, and it's actually that relationship more than anything else that led to uh, Joseph's success because this special ed teacher uh, came to me with uh, uh, Joe, mm-hmm. and it was already two weeks into a school year, but uh, uh, she saw something special. Um, but the reason she came to me is she and I had worked together over the years. I would love to see a triangle with these kids of um, special ed departments, because many of these kids are on 504s and IEPs. Mm-hmm already yeah um but also with uh particularly in these math science areas where oftentimes these kids it's the only area where they tend to be excelling Mm -hmm. as barbara said it's not always though because particularly in upper levels there's more reading even in those courses but typically it's in those areas but then also with the counselor that's the real triangle that can make this thing work and at the high school level and with that triangle um, working with that student for the self-advocacy piece of this Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, again in Joe's case um, it was this particular relationship how unique it was I don't know but over the years um, I I have been able to uh, work with these students who just were not succeeding at all in other areas but they had a gift yeah. uh, in, in problem solving areas and the special ed teacher was able to target these kids. So if we could get this as the triangle, because obviously it's the counselor, it's you guys that are going to move this student forward and counsel with them as to what's their pathway into the future. Yeah. Yeah, no, the counselors are key. And that's why, you know, we were so happy that Charlie put us in touch with the USCA and that we can actually, you know, connect yes. you and bridge this work yeah. together. We feel the same way. I think that you guys provide such a great resource um, for, for our students. And I think um, there's just, we probably, not enough of us know about it. So we want to change that, you know. Oh, great. Thank you. 
Barbara, do you, um, I know when the scholarships come out, do you then share with the schools and the counselors who the recipients are? We do. Um, we then, yep, we do reach back out. Yep. Because as counselors, maybe you want to, um, I mean, obviously ask permission, but as students progress through college that they could be contacted, yes. you know, this was a Morelli recipient. If you want to talk to this person, you might want to call them and, you know, go have a cup of I coffee. Because I love it. Gonna yeah. have That's a great idea, Nicole. Yes, we should put that on our agenda for the outreach. Like, built built <laughs> in mentoring program well, right there. Well, yeah. yeah. And the counselors, you know, sometimes the kids come back and say, tell you what's going on. And then yeah. if they're struggling, you could say, well, you know, I've got another student who is doing great. And then, you know, you could yeah. be the natural connector. But but definitely all of these different triangles, we, we can make a big star, Charlie. We can go from you know high school to college. <laughs> but I think it's yeah. really that the students relate to each other because they're having yeah. similar problems That's and nobody yeah. else gets it. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So let's, um, there's a couple just logistics things I wanted to ask uh, before we wrap up. You know, if, if we are wondering if a, a student may, may have been missed or not diagnosed yet, or there are some of those, you know, questions, is that, does that typically start with going to special ed within the school and, you know, reaching out to that team and trying to get um, testing set up that way with the parents, you know, what's, what's kind of the typical or the best route, I should say, honestly, maybe the typical route isn't the best way. What's what's really the best way to help get that student um, the help and support that they need the, the quickest? I mean, probably, yeah, working with the special ed or working with the counselor, um, pulling the parents in and then, you know, just having an open discussion. You know, have you thought about this? Anyone in your family have any symptoms like this or struggled with reading or these, um, you know, particular you know, scholarly activities mm -hmm. and then the testing, you know, the neuropsych testing is key because once you've got the diagnosis, unfortunately, that is what's required to get the accommodations. Okay. That's Even good. on ACTs, which is another thing too, is getting the yeah. testing earlier so that they can get um, extended time mm -hmm. on ACTs and SATs. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good to know. Um, the last last logistics question with the scholarship, I think it's a February. It's typically comes out in February, right? Is that kind of the end deadline? of February? End of yep. February. So, so beginning, beginning of January, end of February. Excellent. So it's still open, everybody. Um, is what website? Like, I, I will make sure it's put put in the show notes. But your website, let's give that a shout out right now, or where they should sure. go for all of that. It's just www.morelli.foundation. Really simple. Awesome. And I'll, I will link that in the show notes so that everyone can just go right to it from there. So um, that's great. Is there anything you guys can think of that we didn't ask or didn't talk about that you want to make sure we say before we uh, wrap up today? No, just thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think it is, as Nicole and, and Charlie said, it's so important to get the word out to the schools and the counselors just to be aware, you know, because, yeah, it's it's so critical because it really does. It Just having the acknowledgement for Joseph, it saved him. Yeah. Getting diagnosed, it saved him. And he ended up doing exceedingly well. He was, yeah, he was in the dean's list for MSU. So clearly he was able to learn. We just needed to give him the proper tools. Absolutely. 
like it wasn't a matter of ability it was just learning the way to do it for him I love that well I'm so excited for everyone to get to see you and talk with you guys they will be at conference so everyone come listen and talk to them and hear what they've I mean I'm just thank you for doing this I've learned a lot um and I just appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with us today Thank you. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy Thank your day. You. Thanks, Nicole. Bye -bye. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Hillary. Bye. Thank everyone. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sounding Board. Email the sounding board at utschoolcounselor.org to send us your questions and ideas. If you like our podcast, please rate and review our show. It helps other school counselors find us. Links and additional information for any references from today's episode are in our show notes. Check out our website at utschoolcounselor.org where you can listen to past podcast episodes, register for any of our professional development opportunities, and become a member of the Utah School Counselor Association. USCA members also receive bi-monthly newsletters to stay up to date on current Utah School Counseling news, events, and issues. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at UT School Counselor and on Twitter at USCA Tweets. The mission of the Utah School Counselor Association is to support professional school counselors in their work for students through advocacy, professional development, recognition, and support. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our members. We'll have more ideas to share with you next week. Let's go. Let's go.